Well, uh, good to have you all. I've made it through the cold. You're here. That's uh, great. And as I said, uh, no cheering for those that come late in an hour's time. Uh, just let him sit in and look mystified. <clears throat> long, long ago in a land far, far away, I fell in love with the church. Now, that sounds like a fairy tale that's sort of hard to believe, but uh, actually, that's my story. Uh, in uh, 1986, uh, in the city Johannesburg, South Africa, I fell in love with the church. Uh, I was exposed to the church for the, uh, for the first time, and uh, there was just something uh, unbelievable about it to me, and it was a very mystifying experience. There were so many things that uh, I knew absolutely nothing about. Uh, I hadn't grown up in church, uh, and this was an Episcopal uh, church. Uh, I would say, now that I know how to describe things, a, a spirit-filled Episcopal uh, a church where God was moving and the Spirit was moving, and it was extremely exciting to me. But the problem was I couldn't like, identify why it was exciting. Uh, there were things that I was just drawn to. I, I particularly enjoyed the pastor, his uh, preaching. He was young. He was in his late 30s. He was Irish. Uh, and he, he, just, he just said things and spoke about things that were intriguing to me. But it was like I was entering a whole other world. I was 28 years old. Uh, this was all just in one way weird to me but in one way refreshing. Uh, but there was the presence of God, which was just captivating. And I didn't have grid to, to figure this out. So uh, I was experimenting with uh, all facets of the church. So the, they had three different services. And uh, the first service was early in the morning, and it was what they call the traditional service. So uh, I, I ventured out into the traditional service, and I was just like mortified. I, I, I've never felt so uh, uncomfortable and so disconnected uh, because uh, I was like in my late tw 20s. And I think the next youngest person was probably in his 70s. And then they did this thing called the liturgy. And uh, they followed this like very prescripted message. And they all stood up at the same time. And of course, I'd be late standing up. And then they'd all sit down. And I'd be like the last one to sit down. And, and then they knew which books to handle. They'd like this, I think it was a common book of prayer. And then they had hymns. And, and the thing is, these people knew this liturgy so well that they didn't actually, they sort of fumbled through it. But they, they knew it. And then they would respond back to the pastor. He would read something and they'd say, well, you know, thus saith the Lord, or this beeth the word of the Lord. And they used like old English. And it was just like very uncomfortable. I was just like, Okay, I've got to get out of that service. And then I tried the evening service. Now, the evening service was like for young folks. And I was 28. I wasn't young anymore. I mean, this was for like people that were 24, you know. And so at that service, these people were like super full of energy. I mean, and the worship was, was like loud and was like pretty exciting, actually. I mean, I, I identified more with that service. But it seemed like it was lacking something. Uh, like the preaching wasn't that great. So while the worship was good and the energy level was high, uh, 
my favorite service was at 10 o'clock. And the thing that I liked about this service was that there were so many different facets to it. Uh, The preaching was great. The worship was good. Uh, the age differential was, was tremendous. There were old people, there were young people, there were babies and families. Uh, it was just very diverse. And I was uh, enjoying this church experience. But uh, what I also recognized pretty quickly was that there were different people which seemed to have different gifts. Like the pastor was particularly good at preaching, but he wasn't very good at at worshiping and singing. And in the Episcopal Church, they have like this, I don't know what it is. They've got to say something, but they've got to say it in song. And they sort of lilt along and sing along, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, this guy sounds terrible. Even I didn't recognize it. But, you know, you kind of endure it, but his preaching was awesome. And then, you know, the worship folks, they were like really good at music. And I wouldn't have even known, you know, outside of church that these people were like really pretty gifted. I mean, it was impressive. And then... Uh, I remember this one particular day uh, it was really a, a strange and weird experience for me. Somebody stood up and started speaking in tongues. And I, I'd never heard this before. I'd never seen it before. And uh, there was this deathly quiet that went over the church. And uh, then the pastor's wife stood up. And I just started getting to know her. And she said, that was somebody speaking in French. And this is what they were saying. And she said what they were saying. Now, look, where we grew up, French wasn't really exactly spoken, you know. So this was a very unusual thing. And I remember thinking, this is like, how did that person, how did she know what they said? And how did that person stand up? And then, you know, afterwards, I was like asking them, like, do you speak French? And the person said, no, I don't speak French at all. Well, how did you know how to do that? Well, I don't know. The Spirit of God just came on me. And I'm like, there's so much to learn about church. I, I was like... This is, this is a whole new world for me. But the other strange experience was this. I realized in a strange kind of a way that uh, as much as I was enjoying this church experience, being totally new to me, and while I noticed everybody having these particular uh, gifts, I also noticed that they were particularly kind towards me. I mean, I was unusual. I wasn't fitting in with their sort of tribe yet. I, I, uh, you know, I didn't speak quite as well as they did. I I, I seemed to need to uh, curse every second word that I was uh, speaking. And it seems like every time you needed to have a adjective, there was a a better curse word for that or a verb. Uh, You know, so my my grammar wasn't exactly uh, toned down, but they didn't seem to be too offended. Or if they were, they didn't like tell me they were offended. Uh, but they were inviting towards me. They encouraged me. And uh, then I noticed something that was particularly intriguing to me. I said, you know, this is strange. Uh, Not only am I enjoying all the different gifts and trying to figure out church, but they seem to be enjoying me. Now, now with hindsight, I could understand why, because I just accepted the Lord. I was was just new into Christianity. following Jesus. I was asking a thousand questions, and uh, they were quite willing to answer those questions. And so in some strange way, I was encouraging them as much as they were encouraging me. I also noticed that they didn't particularly mind when I brought all my friends uh, to church. Uh, That, for them, was also encouraging. 
And what was particularly encouraging to me was my friends cursed worse than I did. And uh, they did things that I didn't do, which were even worse. And uh, they were invited. And uh, I noticed that this was a mutually beneficial deal where they were being encouraged, even though we were a little rough. And I was being encouraged because they all looked pretty holy and, and had something. So I was intrigued by this. I just fell in love with church. It was the beginning for me of a long walk. Uh, and, you know, I'll tell you something, a little rabbit trail here. I've never lost so many friends in such a short time. Like, I just brought everybody I knew to church, and they all hated it. And I, for the life of me, I'd speak to my friends after. I said, but God's there. I mean, didn't you sense this? And they'd look at me, nope. And I'm like, this was awesome. Didn't you like, weren't you stirred by the worship music? Didn't you feel like you could connect with God? Nope. And I'm like, my friends just rejected me like in droves. I mean, in droves. It was the biggest blessing. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about shifting friends in a hurry. I lost all my bad friends and I gained a whole bunch of really great friends. Some of them still to this day. I mean, it's just amazing what, what God does. But um, all that is say, you know, God uses us. In church, it doesn't matter where you are in the spectrum, whether you're a long-time church person or, like I was, a brand-new uh, God uses you in the church. We use God wants each one of us to help each other as we sort out the kingdom of God and as we do church together. So I've titled this sermon, uh, Be Blessed by Allowing the Spirit to Work Through You. Uh, at this stage of your life, at this time in your life, in this season of your life, be blessed by allowing the Spirit of God to move through you. We can all be used by the Spirit of God in this season of our lives. We have something we can offer. So let me just open in prayer. Uh, Jesus, uh, I just uh, lift up uh, today. Uh, Lord, I just pray that if there's somebody here or people here that don't know you yet, that uh, you would draw them to yourself, that they would get saved, that they would become followers of you, that they too can experience the joy and the excitement that I did uh, when I first followed you. Uh, Lord, I also just pray for the service that uh, those that have been hurt by the church or are angry at the church, that they would be able to forgive and let go and, uh, and move on. But Lord, most importantly, I just pray that every person here today would be able to sense from you what it is that you would like them to do in this season of their life regarding church. We just lift it up to you in your name, Jesus. May your spirit move. Amen. Well, I've been uh, working through the book of, uh, of Ephesians, and I've uh, titled this, uh, Be Blessed. And I want to uh, read Ephesians chapter 4. We've been uh, around about, in and out, backwards and forwards. But uh, I want to start at verse 7. Uh, the challenge for me however, is that verse 7 starts with the word, however, and so uh, it's hard to start reading when it just says, however. Well, what went before this, the however before it, were things like, lead a life worthy of your calling, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, and then verse 7, however, 
He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. He has given each one of us a special gift through, through the generosity of Christ. Dropping down to verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue. Uh, this will continue until we, we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we, that we will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Wow. That's just a, an amazing uh, piece of scripture where God is pouring out his plan for the church and your plan of how you fit in to the church. And it's very clear that every one of us is in God's plan. And it's very clear that God wants to use every one of us. Uh, it's all of us. So I think sometimes uh, when we think about gifts and we uh, think about church, uh, sometimes we have an upside down thinking and we think, well, what does God want from us? You know, what is it God wants from us? And uh, it's sort of the upside down thinking because God doesn't really want anything from us. He wants something for you. It would be like you trying to give your kids some gifts over Christmas or their birthday. You know, they're under 10 years old. Uh, you're not thinking, like, what can I get from my kids? That would just be like absurd thinking. You would think, what can I give my kids? How can I bless my kids? And in a similar way, a God is not really looking what he can get from you. He's not trying to extract something from you that you don't want to give. It's the exact opposite. God is wanting to pour out his gifts and his blessings upon you. Uh, and as he does that, and as you respond to that, it becomes a huge blessing to you and to the church and to those around you. So I want to look at that a little bit uh, today. And there's four uh, points that I want to make here. Uh, when we look about how we can be blessed by allowing the Spirit to work through you, the first is the obvious, that God has given you a special gift. You're not excluded. Gifts aren't for those that have become spiritually mature. Uh, gifts aren't for those that, you know, attend all church services and fill out all the forms and go to each like 101, 201 and mission trip, and, and then you will be blessed. No, 
I shared my story because right from the get-go, God is using each one of us, uh, you know, as I'm bringing all my reprobate friends to church, uh, that is, was for them a gifting. Uh, for me, it was like, I'm just dumping a whole bunch of my, my weird friends in the church. I, I, I wouldn't have seen that as a gift at all. I would have seen it as maybe a curse for the church, but it was a gifting for the church. Uh, but at the same time, it was very obvious to me to see that the pastor had gifts and, you know, the person speaking in tongues had gifts and the worship leaders had gifts. Uh, but God is saying that we all, he's given all of us, all of us gifts. And let me just read the two verses which are particularly pertinent. One is the one I just started with, Ephesians 4, 7. He has given each one of us a special gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says something very similar. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Each of us means you. It doesn't say it's given you know, to most people in the church. Each of us, everyone. It doesn't say you have to be a certain age or you're too old. It says each of us. I think what's helpful in understanding the gift that God has given you is to understand what's the purpose of the gift that God has given you. Because when we understand the purpose, then we can better recognize the gift. So the purpose is pretty clear in Ephesians 4.12, as I just read. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.16, which also read, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so, the, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So in other words, God is giving us gifts to help the body, to help the church, to help things grow to help God's people, to build up the church, to build up individuals, and that we would experience God's love. It happens as we help each other, we experience God's love. We grow in God's love. We could also say this, uh, God does not give us gifts so that we can have some great title and say, you know, I'm the pastor, uh, or, you know, I'm an apostle, uh, or, you know, please... You know, I'm the evangelist or the prophet. Now, we, we've got a five-fold ministry, which I've just read. These apostles, evangelists, uh, you know, prophets, pastors, teachers, known as the five-fold ministry. Uh, God is obviously doing this and giving these gifts to people. But what we don't want to do is elevate the title above the gifting. I mean, the person that would probably in our denomination most uh, suited for the title apostle, uh, which means someone that's sent, you know, like Paul, the apostle in the, in the New Testament, you know, he was sent all over the new, uh, over the new world at that point, uh, planting churches. That's why he, they were apostles. In our context, it probably would have been the person that started the vineyard movement and got, you know, churches growing by the hundreds 
uh, and his name, John Wimber, John shuddered when anybody would say, well, you the apostle. It's like, no, I'm John. I mean, he just so wanted to cut through all the nonsense about being elevated uh, unnecessarily by title. Uh, you could know what his title was by what he w- had done. You, you could recognize his gifting, not because he needed the title, but because that's who he was. I mean, it's people that have a strong prophetic gift, uh, you don't want to, well, we don't want to in the, in the vineyard label them as the prophet. We might well say that person is a strong prophetic gift. And you, people would recognize that gift because that's how they operate. And uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, we should recognize people for the giftings that they have and for you know, the things that they do. But we don't want to elevate the title. We want to elevate the service that people will actually do the thing, the gifting that God has given them. I think one of the challenging uh, things for all of us is when we read Ephesians uh, 4.11 and we say, well, you know, I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an evangelist uh, or a pastor, you know, and you say, okay, those aren't my gifts. But wait a bit. Uh, Gifts are a little different to what you might think they are. So the third point I'm trying to make here, if the first point is what is your gift, and the second point is what is the purpose of your gift to serve everybody, the third point I'm trying to make here is using the gift. It might be situational or officerial. Situational or officerial. What I mean by officerial, that's a kind of a weird word, but often we would say the person has the office of evangelist. Or people might say, I have the office as a pastor. Uh, it's the office that I'm holding. Uh, and we, we would recoil a little bit by that and say, well, I don't have the office of, you know, uh, apostle. But let me just say this. Most of the gifts, most of the time, are situational. They're not, you don't have the office. You have the situational gift, meaning this. When I take uh, Lily and Amelia with me to Spain in a month's time, we're going to be going as missionaries. Uh, Like it or not, we are very soon going to be working in the gifting of the apostle. We hopefully are going to be able uh, to bring good news, uh, to be people that are sent from this church. And uh, for that particular situation... We're going to be doing evangelism. Hopefully, we'll be doing prophetic. And the last thing in the world we would want to do is we, can, we weren't going to be saying, well, Lily is now the apostle, the evangelist, and the prophet, and we'll announce it at the church that we go to. Let me show you the prophet evangelist. Oh, my gosh. Like We were like, oh, you're killing us. No, wait. And, you know, like, what are we supposed to produce and perform with that? No ways. But what I am saying is this. We all can be used all these different giftings in certain circumstances, uh, there is an opportunity for all of us to operate uh, as evangelists. You just invite your friend to church. You don't need the topic. You don't need the title. You don't need to think about, like, I'm now the evangelist. Just bring your friend to church. It's not that complicated. Don't clean him up. Don't give him a hundred things that he has to do, smell, look like, dress like, act like, and speak like. You just bring him. If, if, if you accomplish that fact, you are now an evangelist. I mean, well done. 
Okay, so I, what I'm trying to say is this. If you work in the situation, God can use you to be an evangelist. If you feel like you have a, a, something that the Lord is saying to you or doing, uh, you could be prophetic. Uh, you could be doing many of these different gifts situationally, for the moment, in the day. Tomorrow, you might not be doing that. You might be doing something totally different. God wants to use you, and God has given you gifts. Sometimes they're just for the situation, for the moment, for this particular time. Don't dispel it. Don't reject it. Let's look at another list of gifting besides the uh, fivefold ministry in Ephesians. The other common listing here is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I, I, already, I have already read verse 7. I'll read it again. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, to each of us, to each of us, so we can help each other, help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith. To another, to, another, some, uh, to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So God is giving us all these gifts. Some people, you know, operate in one gift. You, you would say that's who they are. When you look back, you'd say that person just like has the gifts of wisdom or of help or of, you know, healing or what. They just do it all the time. But God can use you and I at any point in any gift. And we need to be open to that. We need to realize that. Otherwise, we tend to miss the great things that God wants to do in our lives. For me, practically, this particular verse, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, uh, is the most personal verse in the whole Bible. Uh, this verse has spoken, God has used this verse to speak to me more than any other verse in the Bible. Uh, if it wasn't for this verse, I wouldn't be standing here today in front of you. God used this verse and has used this verse over and over and over again. And uh, the mystifying part for me has always been uh, God has called some to be apostles, you know, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. The mystifying part for me was I didn't identify with any of those things. And I had zero desire to want to be any of those things. So God, you know, in, like he has a sense of humor, he uses the prophetic to like totally rock my boat and, and look in a whole different direction. And then he uses people that, you know, you, you just wouldn't expect uh, to be speaking into my life, you know, for about, you know, God called me to full-time ministry in 1989. And that, to me, was the most ridiculous thing I could ever have thought of. I just said, God, there's no way you got the wrong person. I understand the prophetic, but, man, these guys are human, and they can get it wrong, and they've got it wrong. 
until I had a prophetic, another prophetic guy tell me the exact same thing, and again, and again. And then finally, you're like, they can't all get it wrong. Maybe there's one person that's getting it wrong. Maybe it's me that's getting it wrong. And it's like, but God, I don't want to do this. I'm not gifted to do this. And like, okay, so then I'm like, I've got a different tactic. God, I don't, you know, I believe in the prophets, but they're human. They make mistakes. I believe in the word of God because that's infallible. And if you speak to me through the word of God, then I will obey you. I'm running from God. I'm like Jonah. I'm like, God's on my tail and I don't want him to be on my tail. I've got plans for my life and I don't want God's plan for my life. I think I've got life figured out. Meantime, God's got a plan for my life and for yours, by the way. You know, where did I break down? I promised God that if he spoke to me through the word of God, I would obey God. One day I was at a meeting in Boston. I used to go to this uh, men's breakfast. Uh, it was an awesome thing. I think I still have it at the Union Club right on the Boston Common near the State House. And uh, it was about 50 or 60 men that would gather in their suits before work on a Thursday morning. And they'd have a formal teaching with uh, you know, mostly, mostly Catholic uh, uh, folks. Peter Kreeft was a professor at Boston College. I used to love his messages and, and Episcopal preachers. And Anyway, so one morning I'm at my, in my car yeah, and I'm, I'm parked at the Boston Common and I'm about to go to work. Uh, and, uh, and I'm like, God, I'm in a hurry. Do I read the Wall Street Journal or do I read my Bible this morning? And this verse, the fivefold ministry, had been in my head. Like everywhere I was going, I was hearing it. I said, I've got to read this again. So I said, forget about the Wall Street Journal. Pull out my thing, Ephesians 4.11. Oh, God's called some to this, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's what it says. I close my Bible and I pray this prayer. I say, God, I'm going to this meeting for breakfast. I just pray that you do something at this meeting. I don't want to waste my time. And would the guy who ever speaking there, you know, say something pertinent to me? Now, you should pray that prayer when you come to church Sunday morning. I didn't realize that was like a really, that, book, that prayer wasn't in the common book of prayer. You, you, you can get that, right? So I run up to the meeting. I'm in my suit. I'm in my tie. I get to the meeting, and I sit down, and they've got the Episcopal priest, Jürgen Lias. He's preaching that morning, and, I, I, and I'm like, oh. You know, they have like eggs with capers on and all that sort of, you know, like good appetite, getting ready. And as he sits down, I feel like the Lord is going to speak to me. I'm like, he's going to preach out of Ephesians today. So Jürgen stands up and he says, today I want to preach and I can hear it. Before he says it, I said, Ephesians. And he says, out of Ephesians, I just drop my utensils. I'm like, I've lost my appetite. Because <laughs> I hear it. It's going to be chapter 4. Chapter 4. I'm like, oh no, Lord. It's going to be verse 11. Verse 11 and 12. And by that point, the hair is standing up on my arms. I'm perspiring. It's like, I remember God. You promised. Then he says, let's just open in prayer. He says, this is a good way to pray. Just pray that God uses me to say something useful to you this morning. Let's get into it. No appetite, shaking, hair standing up my arms. I'm like, I'm going to have to resign. I'm going to have to go back to work after this meeting and tell my boss I'm done. So then, just because God like, has a sense of humor and can be very personal, Jürgen pulls up a book. He says, 
Nobody's going to have heard of this guy or this movement, but this is a guy, his name is John Wimber, and the movement's called the Vineyard Church, and I want to just read something from his book. It's called Power Evangelism. I'm like, okay, God, I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm done. I'll, I'll do it. I'll go into ministry, you know, like I was doing God this big favor. But anyway, <laughs> I say all that because this has become like pertinent again. Uh, God has reminded me of this. I've been working. God has like said, Rob, you need to sort out what the heck you're doing here in this church and vineyard in 2017 because what you've forgotten to do is what I've told you to do and it's what I called you to do, which is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, which is to build up the body of Christ. Will you equip people and build up the body of Christ? Why aren't you doing it? Why have you stopped doing it? Will you refocus on doing it? Now, that, that's a recent experience. So, uh, like, I had to wrestle with this, and the, and the overseers helped me to realize this. That really has created a little bit of a major shift for me, because it's like, for me to do that means I've got to unload a lot of things which I am doing. Uh, and so, guess who got the load of all the things I had to unload? Bernadette. You got it right. So I want to, you know, buried in this message, I want to announce something. Bernadette, stand up. Bernadette has now been promoted to associate pastor. And thank you, Bernadette. And as I said in the beginning, this wasn't just like, okay, Bernadette, now you take over all this and now you're the associate pastor. Remember what I said in the beginning. We don't stick titles on people. We recognize that they have that gifting. Bernadette has been doing this stuff for a while. Most of you that know Bernadette would say, Rob, what took you so long? <laughs> yeah, isn't it true? I mean, you, you, those people that work with Bernadette say, this is not a surprise. This is not strange. This is like, Rob, what took you so long? So anyway, so Bernadette, now her ministry description has changed because she had to take some of my stuff and you know do a lot of the office uh, administration, which meant that her job description had to change so that she could do all this. So Bernadette's going to focus on office administration, spirituality. There's a whole bunch of things that she does uh, that, you know, oversee the prayer. And, and, and the, the Wednesday, we, Bernadette runs a, a noontime uh, meeting. And uh, Bernadette also covers the whole compassion and, and, and care ministry. So Dominican Republic falls into that. So you know, that meant she needed help, which Tracy Burke has stepped up and helped us with that. Anyway, lots to say that uh, things are changing. But the pertinent point here is what about you? What about you? Uh, let me just repeat this. God uses you. God will use your type, your age, your situation. God wants to use you. The, the benefit and the mystery and the delight is figuring out how God wants to use you. Uh, you know, you can run from God like I did. You know, with hindsight, I wish I had have just obeyed God earlier. It would have been so much easier, and I would have like been so much further ahead in the game. Uh, but there's a blessing, there's a joy, there's a you know a delight. I am so thankful that God has changed me and transformed me and continues to work in me. He wants to do the same in you. What is it that you want to do? You're not too young. And you're not too old, and it doesn't matter if you're a female, 
Uh, as Rod preached, uh, when was it, last week? Or I'm forgetting already. Was it two weeks ago? Uh, you know, God wants to use all people. Uh, God used, when I was sitting in that Episcopal church in South Africa, one of the things that was a huge blessing to me was his outside speakers that would come. And one of these people was a lady by the name of Jackie Pullinger. This girl was 19 years old, British, and she felt like she wanted to be used by God and said, God, just send me anywhere, any place, any time. She forced her way to Hong Kong. She had no easy passage. Nobody wasn't telling her, you're a female, you're too young, you haven't gone to seminary, you don't know what you're doing, you can't go, Hong Kong is dangerous, you can't even get there, you don't even have any money. She forced her way. She schemed and connived and finally got to Hong Kong. The whole way she's got, if I just save one person, that's my, my life's worth it. You can just take me after that. She's been in Hong Kong 50 years. She's been working with heroin addicts for 50 years, seeing hundreds, thousands of people in the inner city come to know Christ. Uh, the, the heroin thing, you know, at that point, like we didn't even know what heroin was. Now we've got heroin in our own towns. We're familiar with it. Now she's working with people that are trafficking, being trafficked in sex trafficking. I mean, she's just like being used by God in an incredible way. Young, 19, uneducated, used by God. Uh, let, let me bring it home. I can see Sarah. She's just looking there like she's got tears in her eyes. There's Jackie. What about Sarah and Rich? You know, Sarah and Rich, aren't they beautiful? They teach in children's ministry. Now, let me tell you how great this is. Rich wants to work with Sarah, and Sarah wants to work with Rich. They want to do it together. Rich doesn't like teaching. Sarah is really a good teacher. So what does Rich do? Crowd control. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah teaches, and Rich just talks to the kids. The kids are like, get all out of hand. He says, She's only going to go on for five more minutes. Just hang five minutes. You can do five minutes. The kids love Rich. They think like Rich is the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, just God use them. You, you know, it's just incredible. Just are you willing? I've had a chart up in the bathroom, in the men's bathroom. Uh, some of you may have read it. I'll, I'll read it to you because I don't know if it's in the women's bathroom. Uh, and the chart goes like this. It says, do you seriously think God can't use you? Noah was a drunk, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson was a womanizer, Rehab was a, a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job went bankrupt, Peter denied Christ, Martha worried about everything, Zacchaeus was too small, Paul was too religious, Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead. <laughs> Hello, do you think God can use you? He can use you. I'm telling you, he can use you. The only question is how. Now, let me, let me get it back down to the Sarah and Rich level. He can use you. He can use you to pray for others. He can use you to encourage others. He can use you to listen to others. Friends, this is like a really, really, really big deal. You know, there's a sports phenomenon. When sports teams play in their home stadium, they have home field advantage. This is not like a psychological thing. This is like it really works out that way. Why? 
because the team is being encouraged. They got a whole fan club of people just cheering them on. When you come to church, you can be used by God to cheer others on, to encourage them, to pray for them, to lift them up, to support them. Uh, You can be used by God. It doesn't take rocket science. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be an evangelist. If you are, great, do that. If those titles don't fit, just pray for people, encourage people, speak well of people. People need to feel loved. When you come to church, you should be feeling like you're walking into, you know, Gillette Stadium and you're on the Patriots team and the place is cheering for you and you feel accepted and you feel loved. Uh, That's what it should feel like when you come to church. Anybody and everybody can support, cheer others as they move on. Uh, Let me just end it this way. Jesus came to serve. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was misunderstood and he was abused. Jesus had all the gifts. Jesus is our model. It doesn't matter which gifting we gravitate towards. Jesus is our model on how we should serve. He established the church. He said, this is his body. He said, your role is to be part of the church and build up the church. He has a place for you. And without you, the church is incomplete. Uh, This is Jesus's plan. And Jesus wants to use you, every single person. We have a formal class of 201 that Bernadette runs to try and figure out what is your gift and how you can be connected. Uh, I would highly recommend that you do that class. And if you've done it in the past, I'd recommend you do it again for this stage in your life, for this situation, if you're mystified. And if you can't figure that out, pray for people, welcome people, encourage people, support people. You'll be used by God. Come, Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would bless every single person in this place, Lord. You're not asking anything from us, Lord. You want to bless us. You have something for us. You have gifts for us, and you want to pour them out on us. And you delight, Lord, when we use the gifting that you've given us. We are blessed, and you become blessed, and the church becomes blessed, Lord, when we use the giftings that you've called us to use, and we apply them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your organization. Thank you for your church. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that you set an example for us on how you lived. And Lord, that each one of us has been given a special gift by you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.